Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to this week's episode of Thriving Through Menopause with me, Clarissa Christensen. I'm so excited for today's guest. She reached out to me and when I read what she's going to share with you today, I was like, wow, she must be reading my mind. (laughs) It's so important for us, though, to think about not just our mindset, but how we approach this time of life we call menopause. And some of those really interesting points around becoming an elder and how comfortably does that sit with us in a world where we are, you know, a bit anti, anti-aging still holds sway. So I am delighted to have joined me, Terry Lee. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. It's fantastic. Before we dive in, let me tell me a little bit more about Terry. She is a midlife mindset coach, but really focused on menopausal women and helping us to really go through this powerful initiation, not just a set of symptoms, but the initiation, the transformation that mindfulness is. And one of the fantastic things that we're going to explore is that you, Terry, have been through an elder initiation rite with a Dagara African tribe. You really describe yourself as a wisdom weaver, a mindset shifter, stress whisperer, a monkey mind shusher. I love that. I love love it. I love it. (laughs) Fantastic. So fantastic. And really, that's that's the brief intro. So maybe we can begin. Maybe I might ask you, what is menopause? What does it what does it sort of represent for you, Terry? I believe that in the human existence. We have several stages of life, and there are initiations, natural-born processes that happen to our bodies, to our psyches, to our experiences of life to transition us from one stage of life to another. And I, I think that's natural. So menopause is one of those transitions. And it it's not something that just happens. Like when we're teenagers, we don't just get our periods. There's a whole bunch of physiological, psychologically, emotional, and even societal changes that happen at that change in process. The same thing happens at menopause time. We go through these psychological, emotional, spiritual, everything in our world changes. Mm -hmm. And the best way I can describe it is we're becoming butterflies. We are caterpillars and we become butterflies and that cannot be comfortable. And it's not something that happens overnight. It is a process. And in terms of eldership, 
and menopause, that process is really like anywhere from 15 to 10 to 15 years long because it's such an elaborate shift that has to happen, an intricate and detailed shift it happens on all functions of our human existence. Yeah, yeah, very much more profound, I think, than how it's represented in popular media, isn't it? Because there it's kind of, you have these symptoms, you get rid of them, and then you're in second spring. And I'm like, hmm, not sure that I <laughs> kind of buy into that one so easily. There's yeah. so much more that happens than just the physiological symptoms. Because we're also going through major changes in our lives that we don't recognize necessarily are coinciding, such as empty nest or what's very, very common I see with my clients is late life divorce, where, oh, now that the kids are gone and our purpose of raising children together is no longer there, who are we looking at each other? And sometimes very often that doesn't gel anymore because that purpose is gone. So there's a whole identity shift that happens with late life divorce, empty nest. And then also that turns into an identity shift of a change in your career. You know, your body can't keep up with the demand of a matron woman who's taking care of everyone's needs. And your mind doesn't want to do those things anymore. It feels like busy work and our minds have shifted and evolved into we have more wisdom and insight. We want to share that on a deeper level. So that often becomes a career shift or we're forced into retirement, which then means we have to reshape who we are and how we serve the community. So yeah. all those things are interconnected as part of that initiatory process. And our culture doesn't facilitate formal initiations. Our culture doesn't offer us mentors. Yes, we have our mothers and we have our aunties and so forth, but it's not a really organized process like it is in indigenous cultures. So uh, nice. that's why my initiation, when I was actually 36, I was initiated as an elder in the Dagora tribe. I was the youngest woman initiated. And the reason I was chosen is because that tribe, Maladoma Same, my, my elder, my shaman, recognized that. Western culture doesn't have these elders and we need to start fostering yeah. them sooner so that they can then be mentors to people as they're going through the, the process themselves. Yeah. And now I'm almost 50. So <laughs> I went through yeah. the initiation at 36, which started it. And then I had my 10 years, 10, 12 years of going through my great yes. change on the emotional, psychological, spiritual, and now I'm getting the physical. <laughs> and to me, the physical is like, hey, finally, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, and I, and I can hear that. I mean, this elder initiation in Indigenous cultures. Tell me more about that and tell my listeners more about that, because I think we hear it, but we often don't really know what that entails. Um, and and how that really informs your work and what we can learn from it here in the West. Now, in the indigenous cultures and what I went through when I was 36, it's a very spiritual process. So it's a lot of spiritual work and engaging with, specifically engaging with nature. So what I went through were things like every morning I got bathed, bathed in sacred ash. 
And that ash represented the process of change because fire transforms things. And so I was being bathed in that process of transformation. And on a spiritual level, then that shifted and changed my emotional mindset. But as a person who, well, the spiritual I get and I love, but it's also woo-woo. I have a brain that's very scientific and very neurological. And I had to figure out what does that mean on the physical? What does that mean on the practical and the mundane? I am a Westerner. And I can't be bathing all my clients in sacred ash (laughs) or having them sacrifice animals like they do in the African tribes. So I did some analysis throughout my 10 years process of what did this do to me on the physiological, the neurological, the nervous system level. Mm -hmm. And I really think that a lot of the things that they do in indigenous tribes, we can translate into things we do through our, our everyday lives that will cause and facilitate and support the neurological nervous system changes that are happening in a way that we can gracefully and smoothly accept these changes. Because really, it's our nervous system that conducts every function of our bodies, but it also funct- functions to support all of our moods and emotions. And as women going through menopause, I think the biggest thing we deal with is those moods and emotions. Yes, we have the physical changes, but it's how we feel about them, how we emote about what's happening to our bodies and what's happening to our world. So if we can adjust our nervous systems and retune our brains and retune our nerves to accept and like that radical acceptance and finding that inner peace and calm through the chaos of midlife crisis and through my initiation process, I linked what I did in the African tribe with what I do on a practical level in terms of brain training with affirmation, breath work, body posture and mechanics, ways we can link everything we do in our everyday lives to how we shift our nervous system. And I'm not talking deep 30-minute meditations, hour-long yoga practices. I'd say pretzel positions and tush to the cush. Yes, it works, but it's not practical for the average human. And so I created this system as I was going through my own change of how do I balance my own nerves? How do I shift my own brain to comfortably accept these bigger changes and bigger evolutions happening in my life? And now that's what I do with my clients is I share those simple exercises yeah, and I like that because of, you're quite right. We are not going to adopt those kind of practices. They, they, they're, they're not practical and possible for us, and, and they're alien to us, so they'd never be, or there would ne- be very few people who would be prepared to engage in them. Um, but yeah, you're right that, that we can create ritual and meaning and, and regulate who you know how our brain engages in this time of life in very simple in many ways in many simple ways without as you said again doing 30 minutes of meditation because I like you also have clients who go no I can't do that that's too hard to do and so they set out with intent but it never happens right and so simple things like hey go hug a tree Hmm. and take 30 seconds to 
hug that tree and take a few deep breaths and feel the stability of that tree and the rootedness of that tree and let it guide us. Let the nervous system of the tree connect with our nervous system through our breath and the mental intention of thinking, I can be as steady as this tree if I let myself. I can let this tree guide me. Yeah. And yeah, we're not going to go hug trees every day, but everyone loves being in nature. And why not just take 30 seconds to breathe with a tree? And it does. It changes your nervous system. Well, yes, it does. I mean, it does. I mean, because we know that nature is healing and it's healing on a deeply spiritual nature. We are nature, aren't we? We come from nature and it and it is us. But also we we kind of are out of sync at the moment, aren't we, Terry, with nature's rhythms? And do you, I know that I do, but do you as a practitioner as well see that that is part of the reason why we have some of the experiences that we have in menopause. I totally think so. And I also think that a lot of the symptoms that women experience can be exacerbated more if we are more out of touch with nature. Nature heals. And I look at, again, I go to our elders and our mentors. My mother, bless my mother's soul, she was a is a beautiful woman who guided me and continues to guide me. And she didn't suffer through her menopause, but she didn't suffer because she let herself stay connected with her own nervous system, with her own process and her own beliefs. And now she's guiding me as I go through my menopause. And partly I have genetics, but also it's that mindful practice that she instilled in me. And now I'm instilling in my client of Be mindful in your everyday moments. Take moments to breathe. Take time to 30 seconds. Just say an affirmation with the breath and use that with your body. It really changes things and it helps our process through menopause. And that 30 seconds can totally change your perspective on those bigger things happening. If you're getting all caught up in empty nest and all that angst and anger that happens between parents and children as they're separating from the family home. That deep breath and that, wait, I really love this person and I want them to shine, both mother and child. 30 seconds can change all the nervous system. And if you do that more more often, 10 times a day, wow. Exactly. And so it's accessible for everyday people, everyday women who are living lives in busy cities and and towns, wherever they are in the world, to do that. Um, And you used another really important word earlier. You talked about acceptance. And that is huge, isn't it? Because of all this change to bring acceptance. I mean, how do you approach that with your clients? Well, psychotherapists have been doing this for years. They use the, the term reframe. So you take something that you're upset about and you flip it upside down and you reframe it as something else. And that reframe helps you get a different perspective because perspective is any everything. You can look at it as this is terrible or you can look at it as this is good. And if you can reframe it as this is good and then apply a very simple practice of breathe affirmation and a body posture 
many, many, many times a day, then that reframe takes hold in your brain. That's how the brain works is through repetition. So if you do that reframe and you flip a switch in your brain and then you keep it flipped by doing these little things all day long to reaffirm that reframe. And that becomes not just acceptance in your head, but it becomes acceptance in your whole body. It becomes that radical acceptance. So as an example, let's take this very common symptom of menopause as hot flashes, Yeah. right? Hot flashes happen. And this is my theory. I don't have any science to prove this, but I do have anecdotal stories of my clients and my mother that when women have hot flashes, well, a hot flash is heat and heat specifically in the human body, it comes mainly from the core, the core of your body, your, your belly. And in there, if you just imagine that like a big, huge fire, well, there is a, a nervous center, nervous system center of your body, right in the core of your body. And that nervous system center is the fire part of your body. And so a hot flash is just that nervous system center going, whoa, wake up. And I believe that part of our body is our body saying to us, it's time to really shake up, like cause fire in who you are and find your identity, especially for women, because we've spent our whole lives taking care of everyone else. As mothers, as matron, through whether we're mothers or not, I'm not a mother. I never had any children of my own, but I've served many, many people in the mothering role as I care for people in many ways. As mothers, we care for people and we put them before ourselves. And I think the hot flash, the reframe of the hot flash is your body saying, it's time to put yourself first. Your body can't keep up with taking care of everyone else's needs and doing for them anymore. Your role now is to encourage them, to empower them, to show them that they can do it themselves so that you can then go follow your own dreams and your own desires that you've put on hold for all these years. And usually in our culture, in Western modern culture, women at this age have more resources. And when their children are out of the house, they have more time. And so they have that and their bodies are saying, wake up, go do what you want to do for yourself. And if you look at the hot flash as that, and then you start really living those things and delegating to other people that do for themselves. No, I'm not going to make your lunch anymore. You can make it. Let me show you how. No, I'm not going to go pick you up. You can find your own way home. Let me show you how. And then you all of a sudden have more time You have, and you can see all these people flourishing without your need. Those women that reframe and then take that perspective into their bodies with those 30-second exercises many times a day, they have fewer hot flashes in my experience. Of course, I don't have any <laughs> real scientific proof other than yeah. the dozens of clients I've worked with. Yeah. But I mean, that, that the science is that the, that we know that, as you said, you know, like psychotherapists use reframe. I mean, acceptance commitment therapy is a very common form of therapy where we learn to meet whatever is there with gentleness and kindness instead of trying to overreact or suppress it. And that's exactly the same with the hot flash. We're not, when we suppress it, then that, 
in need comes out in other spaces in us when we meet right. and accept it um that this is part of this process obviously if it's very hard we need to be supported we're not supposed to suffer <laughs> that much but if we can meet it as as a change process um gain perspective on it then there is this amazing opportunity to, as you say, reframe. And I really love that you were saying, you know, delegate, get other people to do that. Um, Many of my clients have a lot of guilt around that (laughs) when they can't do that. Um, I presume they experience the same, Terry. And do you have any advice for the listeners if they say, gosh, I feel so guilty, um, you know, making my children do X, Y, Z, or part. Well, there's two steps to that. Like I was just saying, there's the reframe. And the reframe is if you keep doing for them, they will never be able to do for themselves. And you can't be there forever. And you don't want them to be needy to you forever. So that reframe of you must let go so that they can do for themselves and empower them. And once you've got that reframe, then there's those residual like, echoes and reverberations of guilt that keep happening because our entire lives, our brains have been trained to practice the act of mothering. So then we have to go into how do we let that guilt go and how do we let go and change that traditional patterning? The 30, here's one of those 30 second exercises I would recommend. It's called, it works with the element of water because water washes us, water cleanses us, water lets us be clean. So if we need to wash something off, wash off that guilt and wash off that responsibility, every single time you engage with water, whether it's in the shower, washing your hands, washing the dishes, getting caught in the rain, every time you see water and you're engaging and you feel water on your skin, take a moment to take a really deep breath and think, I am letting go of all guilt that doesn't serve me anymore. I release, I let the water wash that off of me. And that act, that mindful intention of letting go and being free Mm -hmm. and the act of physically engaging with the water helps you shake that off. And just like every dog, when they engage with water, what do they do? (laughs) Shake it off. Yeah. (laughs) And shaking it off, we use that language. I shake it off. We shrug off that stuff that we don't need anymore. So if we shake off the guilt, we shake off the responsibility, our bodies feel that. And that then codes itself as a new pattern into our nervous system. Because that shake, that shaking of the water off of your hands, that literally sparks up every nerve in your body to say, oh, I'm clean of this now. Yeah. And I think that's that's probably more that, because our minds are smart, but the body is often, as you say, the shaking it, the somatic element to it is the piece that is the big, often the big shift. And we're not as aware of that um, on a conscious level, but it's very powerful. And the, the key to it is that it has, it is a big shift and it is very profound, yet it's very subtle because it happens on the repetitive the way our brains and our bodies work, we are creatures of habits. We have to create that new habit. Mm. And if we create that new habit as a tiny little thing we do many, many, many times a day, it's much easier for that habit to become the norm 
And that's where the real shift changes. Because we, we can have those mind-blowing moments where our brains pop off our heads and we're like, wow, we get it. But how do we make that sustain? Yeah. And in order to make it sustain, we have to do repetitive habits. Small and small, as you said, we also that we wash our hands, engage with water. I don't know how many times you go to the bathroom in a day, <laughs> you know, or have a shower or make food when you have to wash something. It's it's tens of times a day over the course of a full day. So there's it's a really good process. And does that happen quite quickly for people? Or does it is it individual? It depends on how much they do their homework. So if I prescribe to someone, do this every time you wash your hand, most of my clients come back to me and say, I did it about four times a day. Four times a day, they start to feel shifts within a week or two. And then I say to them at their next session, okay, what if you did it 10 times a day? And then they have bigger shifts. So really, and we are creatures of habit. It's so easy to forget. So then it becomes, how do we remind ourselves? Well, you put a post-it note on the faucet. Every time you touch the faucet, you have to think, oh, there's that post-it note. Shake it off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's being constant reminder until that's what you do. You've made that shift. Amazing. And it becomes a habit that now I've been doing this for myself since I was 36. So 14 years now, I've been doing the shake it off exercise and it's habit. Every single time I go to water, I think about something that I want to let go and I watch it go down. I watch it go down the drain. And within a couple of days, even the biggest stuff that's gripping me sort of melts away within a couple of days. But that's 15 years of doing this every day. Yeah, (laughs) that's a lot. That's a long time. But at the same time, it's not a hard practice. It's just a small regular consistent practice that we can all do and that's no different to doing hugging a tree doing a breathing practice stopping and checking in and I think listening to you and knowing the work that you know I and others are involved in it's also that we are taking mindfulness as you said off the cushion and out into our lives in highly actionable ways not that it's not great to lie down or sit and do a meditation. That's a different experience. But this is how we become mindful in the midst of our lives. And we need to apply that mindfulness to our menopause and our initiation and the bigger picture of becoming elders because our world needs elders. It does. And we need that wisdom and that guidance and that insight that is inside all these beautiful souls. I just got chills. (laughs) Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think some of the resistance is also that language like hag and crone, which obviously traditionally meant something different, um, conjures up certain images, doesn't it, for women? And how do we overcome that, Terry, and see ourselves as elders? I think that too is a simple mindset mindset shift. And one thing that I've been doing for myself in the last couple months, just as I'm coming up to my 50th birthday, is I've been changing the word older to elder. And that E makes all the difference. 
it's mm-hmm. really interesting how linguistics and words can really change our nervous system. The word hag, that sharp G at the end, it sounds so ugly because it has the same G as the word ugly. And so women associate it with that. And so if we stop using that word and we stop using the word older, which we associate with wrinkles and decrepit, and we just shift it to something slightly different, like elder. Elder has wisdom concepts to it. And so I, every single time I find myself typing the word old, older, I type elder. I write elder and it's changing. And I think that's a very simple shift that we see ourselves as elders. That's, and, and that isn't, it takes time, doesn't it? And I think that's, we become elders over time. We don't become elders immediately, do we? Right. But I like that, again, language as being more than just a word. Again, that's a neurological uh, component to that, a, a somatic component to it that we often forget. And I think that, you know, going back to where we were about shaking it off as well, that language around menopause is very important. Language around aging is critical because a lot of it's to be anti-aging or mm-hmm. or to be um or to see menopause as and I see a lot of that where we use words like it's you know the crisis and toxic and uh you know overwhelming a big quite very negative and overpowering language so I'm grateful right. for you and, and the nervous system and the brain doesn't process negatives so if we say it's not anti-aging that's actually a double negative and it confuses the brain so we need to replace that whole statement with a different word which is more concise and more pure to what we're trying to think and say and that's why the word elder makes a big difference if instead of saying aging we say we are eldering it has a whole different energy in our brain And then that message is going through our entire bodies. And sounds are things. They are vibrations. And those vibrations are tickling all of our nerves and making us do and feel and be. Well, yes. I mean, sounds shift your emotions. I mean, that, you know, as a Chinese medicine practitioner, sound was where Chinese medicine began. It started with sound. And people kind of go, what? But yes, and I you know, recall watching a shaman or a Chinese medicine practitioner actually in China use sound with a with a patient. And we use sound in our practices and you're right. So that's the same as anti-aging becomes eldering, which is beautiful. So if you're thinking about those things and instead think eldering, <laughs> it's softer, it's 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 lighter, isn't it? It is. It's softer, it's lighter, and it's empowering. And so that's one of the things I do with my clients is I work with them to find the exact, precise, right words and phrasing for their affirmations that really tickle their nerves to a way of feeling empowered and feeling the beauty and the grace of the aging process, the eldering process. The eldering process. And I think when you see that, then we we think more of things like, longevity is it you know rather than I'm getting old we're thinking about living well longer well maybe not longer in years but living longer well I think when we think like quality of life quality of life 
becomes the beautiful part of it um, rather than something that is seen as, well, as ugly, should we say, in our society. And I think that's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful work that you're doing there, Terry. Thank you. If you had one thing to leave the listeners with, something you would like them to take away that they could do today, what would that be? Well, beyond the hug a tree and yeah. shake it off. Yeah, beyond <laughs> I would ones. say at the very, very least, come up with a three-word affirmation. I am, and some word that really makes you feel alive, vibrant, vivid and important and meaningful, something that tickles you through your whole being. And when you can, several times today, stomp your feet, stomp, 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 make your feet tickle as you say that word out loud and take deep breaths. That will empower yourself. That it, I love that. <laughs> I can feel myself getting ready to do that because it's because it's kind of fun too, isn't it? To say that empowering and fun. Yeah, that, that is beautiful. So there, there you are, listeners. Three amazing things that you could learn from Terry and take away today: hug a tree because nature is healing. Shake it off. Shake off that negative, those negative things, the the guilt that we feel when things are shifting. And your three-word affirmation, stamp your feet. That's fantastic. I really love that, Terry. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about the work that you do? On my website, it's terrylee.com or embracingeldership.com. They go to the same place. You can find out all kinds of things about me. On there, I also have a free gift, which is a PDF download of seven of those mindfulness exercises that you can do throughout your day. So it links you to, it talks you through well, first thing in the morning, do this. And it's seven different exercises you can do all day long that you can carry with you and try it, try it for one day and see what happens. What if you do it every single day? And yeah. that will then get you signed up for my newsletter where you'll find out all kinds of other things. That is fantastic, Terry. I, Thank you so much for coming on the Thriving Through Menopause podcast and giving my listeners some beautiful insights into eldership and mindfulness in the heart of your life as you go through menopause. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.